So hello everybody, welcome to a new Traders Improved podcast. Today we have a very special episode and we are going to int, uh, interview and talk to Paul. Paul is a retail trader. He's not one of those educators and we thought we do, we, I wanted to do this for quite a while to bring a different perspective to talk to other traders who have different problems, struggles, maybe a different path, because I think this is going to be really valuable. So stay until the end. I have a few questions that I'm really, really excited to, to dig in. So hello, Paul. Thank you for making the time. Hi, guys. Good morning. Good morning to you. Hello, Moritz, as well. Hi. So just to give people a little bit of context, um, where are you currently in your, in your trading, in your stage as a trader? How long have you been trading and where do you see yourself right now? I've been trading longer than I can remember, um, certainly at least 20 years. Oh, okay. And I started off being, being quite successful mm-hmm. and then had a sort of spectacular loss. And um, that was trading stocks and options. And I learned a lot from that exercise. So since then, I've realized the stock market is, is very manipulated. So um, I much prefer Forex, which is so large, it's rather hard to manipulate. So since then, I've been trading Forex off and on. Um, right now, I've uh, revisited it since joining the masterclass, which has been really, really helpful. I've studied pretty much every trading methodology you like over the years, and I've had some success, but never uh, sufficient consistency to be able to make it my main, my main source of income. So I think I, I like you guys' no-nonsense approach. It's very methodical, it's very disciplined, it's actually realistic, unlike most of the stuff on the web. So I'm really enjoying that. Cool. That's great to hear. And thank you. Um, yeah, that's very interesting. Probably was it around the 2000 area when you had your first experience? How, how, how did you guess? Yeah. yeah, I had one particularly good year at work where I, I made a very large bonus. So I put it in a pot and started investing in, I worked in a systems engineer by background. So I work in the high tech industry. I thought I knew all about high tech stocks. No technical analysis at all at that time. I knew just, I thought I was trading on fundamentals. And I didn't realize that, um, you know, a, a rising market raises all ships. So I, I thought I was doing great. I just kept, market just kept going up. I was trading in big high-tech stocks, like, you know, Microsoft, Amazon, Vodafone, all, all you know, funny things like Qualcomm. And I thought, hey, this is great. And I was trading on 50% margin. Then uh, I thought, no, this is, this is, too difficult. I think I'll just, let's trade on options instead. So I find you could get like a, a 10 times leverage with options. The only slight problem being that if, if it didn't get to the appropriate price by the strike time, time strike time came around, your options were absolutely nothing, unlike stocks. It didn't just go down in value, it went down value to zero. Mm-hmm. So um, in the end, I got caught in the tech stock crash, which was I think around, what was about April in 2000? The NASDAQ was heading for 5,000, except it didn't quite make it. <laughs> right. So uh, that, that, was, that was a very salutary lesson. Right. Yeah, I, there was, by um, in the year 2000, I was just around 15, 16, but this was actually my first introduction to, to the stock, to the world of stock, stocks um, mm-hmm. as well. And I got hooked immediately. Um, luckily, back then, everybody was in, into stocks in Germany as well, even though you, I think we're more conservative in general when it comes to investing in stocks. I think such an early success experience of success is really helpful to just stick with it because once you have seen that it's possible, then 
um, you are more likely to stick with it, I think. Do you, do you see any similarities between back then and the world today or, or is there nothing similar? I always wonder. It's, it, in, it's quite interesting because I have some friends at work who, um, who are getting into stock trading and I'm trying to tell them that it, you know, it is quite a manipulative market. Uh, so I think that, that aspect is still there. Um, in that sense, I much prefer Forex. I think the advent of algorithmic trading has meant that the market can be a lot more volatile. So if you're trading on the shorter time frames, it's somewhere between difficult and impossible to make money on a reliable basis. So zooming out a bit to the longer time frames and taking more of a, a swing trading approach, I think works more effectively. Hmm. Okay. So can you tell us a bit more about your spectacular loss? How did that happen? Sure. Um, yeah, it was. it's incredible to think of those days. These are the days where you could buy Microsoft for, I think, like maybe say $100 per stock in January, and then by the end of March, it could be 140 150 it could be 200 and then split into two. It just, the growth rate was incredible. So I was kind of seduced by the growth rate and um, like greedy, I guess. I thought, okay, let's let's trade, let's do with options. Let's not just buy some options, let's trade the options too. So I got into traded options, which is a very fun market, but it's very hairy because it just falls off a cliff at mm. the end of the period. So if you, for example, if you could buy, say for example, you could, instead of buying Microsoft stock at $100 a pop, you could buy an option in January for $10 um, at the strike price of say 100. And if it went up to, let's say 150 within three months, you had increased your investment by 400%. Yep. <laughs> but if it didn't make it, if it happened to be down at that particular point, um, your options were worth absolutely nothing. <laughs> so unlike stocks, say if the stock had gone down to $99, you would have lost a dollar. But if the stock was down to $99, you lose everything if you're trading on options. So, so you were basically overleveraged trading options? I'm sorry? So you're basically overleveraged in options and then... Oh, overleveraged to death. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. it was just... I, got, I guess I got greedy and used far too much leverage, which yeah. is funny because when I started trading on... Um, trading in Forex, the standard sort of mar margin was 100 to 1. Okay. And a number of people like FX Solutions were offering 400 to one. Mm -hmm. So you could trade $10,000 lot by putting down 25 bucks. You know, mm -hmm. just, it just, it's just madness, which is fantastic when it's going up. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's exactly the same leverage applies going downwards, which is not good. Right. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way, but uh, I don't regret any of it, but it was, it was fun at the time. Right. Yeah. I want to get into the, to the lessons a bit, but, Right now, I see many similarities, and you probably all many people ask me, How do you get involved in stocks right now? Because it's at the all time high and everything is going so great. And I see many, I always try to caution them, as you said, um, um, in, a, in a storm, even turkeys can fly. And it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's really, a, you hear all those stories with those Robin Hood traders and all of those guys. It's really, it's a good time to get into, well, it's an, it's a, it's a market that makes it interesting for new traders, but I think it's very dangerous as well if you don't have the, the, the position or the risk management um, principles in place. Did you, so, how did you get to, or when, when did you get to position sizing or is that, 
because I guess after a big loss, then you didn't have any real position sizing in place. And how did you how did you get there? Well, I, I didn't trade again for a while. I got sort of badly burned at that point, and then I started getting to forex. And my wife and I um, we actually went to Vancouver and, and did some training with a company which was then called FX Trainer, set up by you know they all have gurus, don't they? Set up by this Hungarian guru. Um, to learn how to trade Forex. And I look back at what we're doing then, it's laughable. We're trading like uh, the five minute was the long-term chart. <laughs> <laughs> and the one minute was a day, it's just, I mean, it seems madness. And they did, they said, yeah, uh, trade maybe no more than five or 10% of your capital at any given time. Mm. <laughs> and you don't have to lose very often to lose all your capital doing it that way. <laughs> so I, I learned some bad habits, I guess, but, um, I don't regret. I don't blame anyone else but myself. It's my own stupidity and gullibility to do that. So um, I learned a lot from that. Right. What do you think was? Because I many people always ask me what do you sh what you should focus on in the early beginnings, and what do you think is the was the biggest waste of time that um, you engage in? Because there's so much there's just so much information out there. Unfortunately, also so much misinformation. What do you think? Because for me. I think um, the biggest problem was that I joined a, a trading community and they were, they were really against indicators, for example. And in my mind, it was then always like indicators are bad, indicators are bad. And I came over the years to realize that they are actually quite good if you know how to use them. But it just cost me probably um, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of frustrations that wasn't necessary. Is there anything that really stands out like a big waste during your first years? Or something that a couple of couple of things, I guess. One one is short term trading, trading on the short term charts, and unfortunately, from a psychological point of view, one can get seduced into the excitement of short term trading and making quick profits very quickly, also making losses very quickly, um, and so one gets into a sort of psychological cycle which is not healthy from a trading point of view. So, working on longer term charts works much more effectively, I believe. That's that's one of the one of the main messages that came out of that, and also system hopping. There was always you know something having some problems with one particular trading methodology. Okay, just dump it at the moment. Let's try out. Oh, this one looks good. Let's try this one, and so on and so on. Uh, whereas in reality, much much more sensible to find a, a decent trading methodology, focus on it. When it doesn't work, work out why it doesn't work. And I think a lot of this comes back to well, you guys' background. Journaling one's trades, um, being methodical about how one approaches it, recording what one's doing, reviewing it, analyzing it retroactively, and so on, to see what works and what doesn't work. So, sort of come, your approach, I think, suits me much more effectively. That's good to hear. Yeah, the one thing I just I cannot underline it um, enough. You said that if you lose, you just figure out why and. Most traders never get to this place. They just think their trading system is flawed. Um, and I think this is, like a, this is one of those biggest mindset shifts that you can have in trading once you get away from the system hopping uh, mindset. Um, and you, you really start to look at why aren't things working. And I think today, many people are just there. They're in, they're in obviously, for the, quick, for the quick money. And then, um, obviously, all their, their whole approach is geared towards short-term gratification and not the long-term long-term game um so i guess you are journaling your trades as well 
I'm not doing it as effectively as I should be doing. I'm doing it on a sort of paper basis at the moment, but I, I, I need to buy Edgewonk and, and really get into that because I think that, that will help more effectively. I'm trying to, working with the masterclass, trying to net down to the methodology that I'm going to use most, and I'm tending to use the, the swing trading approach that you take, Rolf, but I find that um, more it's the daily bias angle to that has been really, really helpful um, in terms of setting it in context for example, the uh, Aussie CAD went into last night, making some money on this morning. Yeah, um, that was a nice little setup. It set up nicely on the on the daily. The weekly supported that. And then you go back in, it's like an inverse head and shoulders thing. And it looked like a very nice entry last night. Yeah. That's going quite well at the moment. No. I have this one just right now in front of me. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, the... The paper journal, I think it's a it's a really, really a great start in the beginning. It's definitely much, much better than nothing. And if you have a paper journal, that's how I started as well. It's it's really because in the end it's all about first I think about raising awareness, just getting a little bit into the practice that you need to to do certain things and then over time you can um you can you can take it from there. But yeah, I don't think in the beginning if you feel many traders feel overwhelmed with Edgewonk and I can totally understand that. Mm -hmm. But you need to start journaling somehow. A paper journal is good, just a piece of paper or just collecting screenshots, I think is, is also a good approach. Yeah, yeah. screenshots is a big one. Definitely. Yeah. It helps you a lot with pattern recognition and knowing when you took a weird entry, when you took a great entry. So yeah, screenshots was a big game changer for me. Yeah. yeah. So say for example, you check there are, let's say five key points you want to check uh, for a reversal setup. Just mark them all down, tick them off. And if you find that, you know, cases where four or five out of five worked, all those trades worked well, and when it was three or less, they tended to fail, there's mm -hmm. a pretty clear message there, isn't there? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of, um, as the saying goes, the common sense is not so common anymore these days. There's a lot of things mm -hmm. I think that they're just really, they should be really obvious. Like you just record your trades. You don't expect to become a millionaire next week. Um, you are consistent and you just figure out why things aren't working and you slowly get better. I think those are, it's, you don't have to make it too complicated, but um, obviously that's, uh, that's a whole different story. Yeah. You mentioned a checklist also in the, in the email that you sent to me. Um, is it, is, what is on the checklist? Because I get a lot of questions from people who, who like those specifics, those technical things that they just can apply. Is it like a trading checklist for get into, getting into trades or? Well, for, for, for example, for reversal patterns, looking at the various aspects of it, is it an established pattern? Um, is it less than what 25% of the previous run down or run up, as the case may be? And the, these sort of aspects. Um, is there separation between the two points that make the, the top line of the, of the pattern and so on? Stuff right. that it's, it's easy to sort of fool yourself about if you don't look at it methodically. Right. So it's, it's pretty simple stuff, really. Um, mm. But... Many people don't do it. I think there is so much disinformation out there on the internet that uh, you need to be more focused. One thing I have done in the past is I've traded in online trading rooms with other traders, say trading a certain methodology, which in some ways is really good because you're swapping ideas. But in other ways, it's bad in the sense that it also reinforces bad ideas. So I think the fact that you guys have some sort of control over the, the approach and you have a standard a uh, set of documentation of what it is, a set of educational videos and so on. That is very, very helpful. Right. <clears throat> if you want consistent yeah. results, you need to be consistent in the first place, I guess. 
Mm. And um, that's what also a lot of people simply don't get when they system up and so on. Because every time you system up, you start from zero again. And if you have like a base of a strategy and you can build up on that, but you're consistent all the time and everyone else in the community is trading the same way, that really goes a long way for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think one and thing that helps is to totally decouple yourself from the idea of making money. Forget about making money to begin with. To, to, to learn, learn your craft. I think, you know, Van Thorpe in one of his books, he talks about the, um, you know, the Malcolm Gladwell book, Outliers, where he talks about this magic 10,000 hour idea. So to achieve um, a decent capability in any field of endeavor, be it a, you know, brain surgeon, engineer, whatever, you need to take a uh, pop musician. You need to do your 10,000 hours of hard graft to actually learn your craft. So it's perhaps not 10,000 hours in the case of trading, but there's a certain amount of time it takes to, to get to the point where you're in charge of it. Right. And um, that is the process, I think. But the point, of course, you need to forget about making money right away and you need to play the long game. But this is also, I think it's, obviously it's very hard to do that because uh, most people are in it for the money and that's the only driver for them. So what, is there something that helped you to get into this mindset where you're not obsessing about the money all the time? Yes, because I, it, it's, if you let go of it, it comes to you, which is a bit sort of paradoxical, but uh, <laughs> if you let go of that as a motivation and just like do that. your job effectively, then, hey, you start making money. Like, yeah, this, last night, for example, when I did, did the markup and saw an opportunity on the, the Aussie CAD, it was very clear, went in, I'd never normally go in at nine o'clock at night. That seems like crazy when the market's not doing very much, but it seemed like such a good setup and it's going really well. That's absolutely classic based on the sort of stuff that you teach. So, hey, by the way, you will make a lot of money <laughs> once you actually do it effectively. <laughs> but don't get so focused on that that it excludes the discipline. Uh, well, I was talking to a good friend of mine, a <clears throat> fund manager, and I was asking him, like, how do you do that? Like, when, when one trade is worth, like, five, ten million bucks or so, and he mm. said, one hour is one hour. That was mm. his answer. Mm. I was expecting something really elaborate. And, uh, yeah, please give me a wisdom. He said, one hour is one hour. What do you want? <laughs> sure. I think if you, if you look at the, you know, work on the simple rule, you're looking for reward to risk of maybe three to one or better. And then even if you win only, say, 50% of your trades, 50% win rate, you're actually making good money. And just if, if you're not getting a good reward to risk ratio on the trade, just let it be. Wait for the next one. Right. Yeah. It comes back to the, to the consistency. Most traders will never get or will never have those statistics that they can actually back it, back it up what win rate they have and what reward to risk ratio their trades are because it's always a mess and it's always all over the place. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it always comes back to, to consistency in my, in my, in my mind. I was trying to make okay. a, I was trying to make a video in the morning. Uh, I scrapped it two times, but it was exactly the same topic. It's just, Consistency is really what it's what it's all about. Um, I I traded divergences for years and only divergences it was super boring. But after you've taken like a few dozens of the same exact trades, you will pick up little nuances here and there. Um, what happens before a breakout? Is there something that may increase the chances of finding a successful breakout? And you will only find those things by applying or by doing something um, for many many. Uh, weeks, months, always the same 
approach without a lot of deviation. This is really, it's boring, but it's, it's, the, it's the only, in my opinion, it's one of the only ways to get there. One of the biggest differences about you, you guys' approach, which I really like, is that I'm, I'm used to trading, say, you know, I used to trade, for example, the cable pound dollar, pound Aussie, pound Canadian, pound Kiwi, because they, they, were, they moved quite well, got a decent average trading range every day. Um, however, this idea that, okay, the world is your oyster, you can trade any pair you like, but just look where the setups are good. If the setup's not good, leave it be. So that, that it's, it's, it's actually more time-consuming to begin with. But once you've narrowed it down to those which do have acceptable patterns, then you're greatly increasing the probability of having successful trades. So that's been a bit of a revelation to me. It seems obvious looking at it now, but um, that has been quite a liberating factor from my point of view in my trading, and mm -hmm. I really like that. That's good. But I think this is also um, due to a, a change in the market dynamics. When I started out, which is like 40, yeah, 50, 14 years ago with act, more or less active Forex, um, back then you could trade only, I knew traders who were only trading the cable or only Euro Swiss franc because mm -hmm. they were moving very, very nicely. And these days I think the markets move very differently. There's a lot of more correlation as well. So I think things have changed, um, not necessarily to the worst, to the worst i think change uh, things will always change but yeah you need to uh you need to in my opinion follow more forex pairs so that you can just be more selective and that's the one thing that i'm always jealous of the of the stock the stock guys because they <laughs> they can choose between thousands and thousands of, of of options and or stocks in this case um and you can be very 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 selective whereas in forex you only have so many forex pairs i guess so yeah. this is a, yeah. Um, I want to ask you, since I saw that you are, I think you are self-employed as well, right? I'm not self-employed. No, I, I work for a company. Um, I work for a company which is the, one of the world market leaders in automated warehousing technology. So oh. I spend my days looking after robots, <laughs> which is quite funny. So I, I sit in front of this big array, like trading screens, six trading screens, six screens, Right. Um, looking after these uh, little robots all the time, so that's quite. So fun. they don't mess up. <laughs> uh, you think the so you have more like an IT engineering background, I guess. Yeah, I have a systems engineering background. Right. I used to look after all the uh, operating system software for the world's largest oil company in Saudi Arabia for five years. That was my first sort of big break, and then I've worked internationally pretty much all over the world since then. So I really love working with different languages and cultures, and um, mm. I find that very stimulating. That's cool. Um, do you think your because I've seen in our masterclass we have seen many many people from all different um, jobs and uh, whatever. And do you think your engineering background has helped you in a way? Because I've seen engineers that are very very methodical, sometimes too methodical, <clears> but it <throat> can be. I guess it can be can be it have pros and cons i guess i think the left brain side helps the often the people who become engineers they're not necessarily so good on the right brain in terms of the pattern recognition side of things and strangely enough it's quite funny trading with for example my wife and my daughter trade um they don't trade in the same sort of methodical way i do but they seem to be quite successful and they have a hmm. i don't know if it's a more an effective pattern recognition but they 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 can see patterns more effectively. They can recognize patterns as they happen. Where I can, I have to use, engage my left brain to do that. So, okay, okay, what are the characteristics? Tick, tick, tick. Okay, well, yeah, that's right. 
So which is a kind of a left brain as opposed to right brain, just immediate visual recognition. Right. Yeah, the so problem with the, um, with the uncertainty in trading, because in systems engineering, I guess you always have the truth 100%. And in trading, you never get that. Is that a problem for you psychologically or? It's, it's something you have to, you have to get into. You, you have to accept that you're, you're embarking on a discipline where let's say, let's say you're going to lose half the time. And that seems madness. Why would I want to do something where I'm going to be wrong <laughs> half the time? Right. Because when I'm right, I'm three times <laughs> more profitable than when I lose. So on balance. So it's kind of something, it's the maturing process, I guess. You have to get, get into. And that that's, can be difficult for somebody who's more left brain oriented. But um, I think I'm into it now. Mm -hmm. Good. But then I guess it well, makes I, total I, sense. I can convince myself that's how it works. Sorry. <laughs> I guess then it makes total sense to have to have the checklist if you know that this is maybe one of your potential weaknesses that you mm -hmm. implement something like this in your trading. And I, I really love to hear this because I always encourage the people and our students and other traders to just to just look at themselves. Always people always try to to get like this template. You just follow this mm -hmm. step by step, and at the end uh, you will have the exact outcome. But this is not how it works in trading. There's a lot of uncertainties, as Moritz said. So, yeah, you really need to get to know yourself. And I think this is one of the beauties of trading that um, you have to just get to know yourself. And there are obviously nice things that you will find out about yourself. There are other things that are not so nice, but you need What's to be open-minded and then, yeah, work with the things that you can do well and improve the things that are not going so well. Yes, you have to, you have to come to terms with inexactitude, which for an engineer is a difficult thing to do. But you, that's where things like the daily bias approach is really helpful because you get, a, you get a steer for where you're heading from the very beginning and then you drill down into the more detailed analysis and it gives it a context. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, the daily bias video. Um, I've learned so much since we started the masterclass. I've, uh, I really, I've, never, um, I've never understood how to do a multi-time frame analysis. It never made sense to me. But <clears throat> ever since I listened to Moritz, um, to Moritz, webinars and the videos it made total sense and it's uh, it's really interesting the daily bias is really cool i think yeah it's a it's a good one nice. thanks Marit. <laughs> no problem i think whenever you add another parameter into the into the trading decision making process it looks like you're making it more complicated but i think the daily bias is not that it it actually makes it easier because it helps you focus your energies in the right place and then you can do more detailed analysis only on those situations which fit well mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I like it. That, I do it. Yeah. When you're on the daily chart and you know exactly, okay, I'm only looking for longs right now. That makes it on the lower time frames. It makes it so much easier than flipping through the time frames all the time and trying to hunt something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a yeah, it's a it's a good way to add new rules. You have to be careful too to add new rules to your to your trading system. Yeah, I mean, adding complexity not always makes things better. Often it makes it worse. <laughs> but in this case definitely like I was always wondering about stock traders um, day traders because they say you have to learn the short side or the long side first don't learn both at the same time like, what in forex we trade long short all the time what's the difference but they do it like that right they have people that only go short and people that only go long you rarely see someone who does both it's quite interesting yeah another little training exercise I've seen is um they did a little program on TV some years ago here where they took 
six newbies and just gave them trading trading training and they said right you're in the market all the time so you're either long or you're short but you're one or the other using demo accounts obviously and that was quite an interesting exercise mm, okay not recommended for live work but uh, it's a good training exercise <laughs> was it um uh, i know i know the the series i think uh, i'm blanking on the name but yeah I, i saw that as well is it with it um one of those famous educators now uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah i think it was on the bbc right Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's one thing that I'm really curious since I'm I'm now in my mid 30s and uh, many people approach me that are older than me and they they ask me so is it too late for me to get into trading and from my point of view obviously even if it takes like 10, 15, 20 years I'm still I'm still not too old to still enjoy the the benefits of trading. But When, when people come to me and they're in their 50s and they ask me the same question, I'm sometimes blanking on what to say. Obviously, if you're in your 50s, it's still worth it. If it takes 15 years, you're 65, it's a great challenge, but it's a very, very different perspective. Since you are a little bit mature, more mature than, than we are, what, is your, what, is, what would your advice for a 50-year-old new trader be? Pretty much exactly the same as for anyone else. I think they bring a lot of very useful life experience and maturity. So hopefully they will um, avoid some of the silly newbie mistakes that we would otherwise make when we're younger. Um, I don't see the age as any, I think it's actually, if anything, rather a positive in terms of life experience and maturity, the ability to accept perhaps the discipline that you need to be more effective. Um, Right. Yeah, that's I a think, good point, actually. Yeah. I think if you, if, you, if you set a, I mean, you're setting a, not necessarily an attractive view of how long it's going to take to become a trader. But to me, the reality is that if you follow those disciplines, you will actually become a very effective trader, possibly in, even in the short term, if you follow those disciplines, as long as you don't expect to make megabucks every week. No, I agree. It's like older people, sometimes they have a lot of ego and sometimes they don't have any ego at all. That's what I observed. So some people, they really don't want to learn from us because we are younger than them. But some people, they are so humble in their older or more advanced years that they say, okay, I'm gonna do exactly what you tell us. And they are actually quite great students, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's a truism, isn't it? The, the, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. No. <laughs> so it's, uh, You know, learn from the people who have the expertise and experience. Why not? Yeah, of course. Right. Of course. Yeah. E ego just ego and trading just gets in the way. If you if you've got too much of an ego, probably don't bother starting because it's you're going to have problems. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's true with everything in life. The ego, hmm. if it's too big, it always gets in the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is one of those things that I've been putting all my focus on uh, over the past two or three years, working on those mindset, ego-related mm. things. It's really fascinating to see how it influences our decision-making and how we interact with other people, um, or not even interact, but how we try to display ourselves to the world and um, the, the wrong decisions that we then take. Uh, and in trading, it's very, very apparent. You see it right away. Uh, people with big egos, they, they usually don't stay around for too long. No. Yeah, and, they become very loud on Twitter. <laughs> and as, as you've discussed before posting potential trade setups and so on 
why are you doing that? Are you doing it because you're trying to educate people or are you doing it because look at me, I'm clever? Um, if it's the latter reason, that's not good. Right. And there are many... If you're to educate, that's fine. Right. And there are many, people, uh, many problems associated with that uh, because many people then try to defend their traits or they defend their positions and then it's a whole different problem. And this is also because you mentioned it um, a few times, I think, to me via email as well, that you would like to see more of an open mm. discussion forum in, for our students. And um, we, we, did, we do have it actually. Um, it's currently limited. The enrollment is closed um, because we found that um, it has pros and cons, obviously. And it has many, many cons for new traders. And it has many cons for if there are traders from a beginning trader, an experienced trader. And uh, often the responsibility is, tr the personal responsibility is not being taken anymore by the people. When you see that somebody who's been, who's been there for maybe a year or two is posting a trade and uh, you are taking it as well and then it doesn't work out and then you can always blame somebody else. Sure. So it's a, it's a very, very fine line how to, how to structure this, this education. It's a, it's a very delicate, I understand that it's, it's nice to exchange, uh, but it's, um, we, want to, it's, uh, we want to approach it from the right way. We always want to try to offer the best options for our students. And I think we sometimes feel that this is not the best approach. Um, maybe now we are doing those weekly webinars, which are a way to at least exchange a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, and this is for everybody out there. If you see that you are engaging with a group of traders, um, really watch how you, how you engage and how do you, do you see them as signals? Um, do you avoid taking responsibility then? And it's a, it's a very, very fine, it's a very fine line. Yeah. I think, that, I think that's ab absolutely right. I'm completely with that. Um, I spend a lot of time like everyone has on Forex factory and the like, and these forums can become horribly, horribly toxic. They usually get taken over by a bunch of trolls of one type or another, mm -hmm. right. and it, it becomes a really negative experience. And, you know, the more experienced person, everyone tends to follow them and maybe not take responsibility. So I think in the sense that you guys are controlling you, you two as the, the leaders, if you will, of the disciplines, and people are following those, and there is some consistency there, uh, I think that is, that is a very good thing. Right. Wow. It was actually quite interesting for me, even in the beginning when we started teaching, uh, because... Um, I had, I mean, I had a written trading plan, but not 1000% detailed. And then suddenly people post me their setups and I was like, oh, I didn't see this in my scanning process. Would I actually take this? What the fuck is this? And then I was like trying to dig deeper. And then I even, I myself, I got doubts about some setups. And also some people posted really weird setups that worked out. And then I started getting doubts in my own trading plan and I had to go much more into detail in my own trading plan. And so I could also articulate it more um, uh, better for our students. So I think if you are a new trader and you go into a forum like Forex Factory, for example, and you don't know who is good and who is not, right? Mm -hmm. But everyone is acting like an expert all the time. So yeah, yeah. it really takes a lot of time to weed out the people that have no clue and only their ego is talking like, oh, I took this trade on Euro dollar for $5,000. They don't show you their 100 losing trades before that. So <laughs> it, it's really hard. Uh, even for me as a, as a experienced trader, it was quite interesting to be part of a community uh, where people posted trades that 
they didn't really align with my rules, but they kind of did. Right? Mm. <laughs> I think the biggest learning opportunity, because I don't think you have to necessarily avoid those places, but what I find really interesting these days is um, you, watch, you watch yourself, you watch how you, how you react um, to, to certain things. When you, I find it's really, really fascinating because you get to know yourself on a very deep level, which will help you in trading and in, in business and in any human interaction and just feel more happy. When you, when you engage with somebody and they're posting a, a successful trade, how does it make you feel? Does it make you feel like you want to just completely change everything that you're doing and start something new because somebody posted something that might tell you something about who you are as a person and this level of awareness is really, really interesting. And you need to bring it to trading, I think. Because as you said, you said in the beginning, we are always so good at fooling ourselves. Mm. And um, yeah, you need, to, you need to get to know yourself um, very intimately as a, as a trader. Because in the end, I sit here all day by myself in this, in this room and mm. I, can, I can make anything sound great in my head, uh, no matter how bad it is. So this is a... Uh, it's, uh, I think it's really, journaling also helps because you can see it's, it's black and white. It either works or it doesn't work. It doesn't work and it's in the right proportion. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And you understand why it doesn't work. That's fine. Um, but I, I, I do think that taking personal responsibility is an absolutely basic principle. If you, anytime you give away personal respons- responsibility to someone else, um, that's a cop-out. Now, you, if your trade doesn't work, it's your fault. It's not the market's fault. It's not your advisor's fault. It's not your educator's fault. It's your fault if you didn't do it right. Okay, so you know how to do it right. Just keep working on the discipline of doing it effectively and doing it consistently, and you will be successful. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I have a. What I like to ask is, um, what are you currently focusing on to make the next step in your in your development as a as a trader? Is there something that you're working on currently? Yeah. Right at the moment, issue. I will kind of work for, I work funny long 12 hour shifts. Um, so I'm, I'm focusing on trying to trying to work out how I can trade most effectively within that context. Some of them are on weekdays and some of them are on weekend days. So when I get weekdays free, that's great. I can trade all the time, but sometimes I don't. Um, so trying to work out how to do that effectively. And um, I'm trying to use the normal sort of top-down approach that you're using with the watch list as a way of driving myself into that. And uh, that's what I'm working on at the minute. Yeah. Yeah, watch lists and routines are, um, it sounds like you have already done, I'm not sure if you have done the whole um, psychology course for the masterclass, but- um, I haven't, I need, I need to do that. I've done a lot of psychology stuff in the past and right. it, I'm completely into that. Yeah, I think it's very important. I th- yeah, and I stress always the, the routines and um, processes are very, very important. I, ha- I absolutely hate it myself. I don't like to have a. I don't like to have a schedule, or I don't like to um, just be bound by. Okay, every every morning at eight, I have to do this thing. I don't like this rigid uh, approach, but it there's no way around it. So I think you have to accept certain certain routines in order to get to where you want to be. And I think it makes if you know. Okay, I do I do this thing every every day eight to nine a.m. and then that's it. Uh, it will help my trading over the long term. That's uh, yeah, routines. Routines are really really important, uh, and that's something that I, I'm also still, always working on, struggling with, and it's uh, it's yeah. always a it's always a challenge. Same for me. Yeah, Mark, has like it's for me, it's the worst. But uh, <laughs> I, this one quote, um, like your options are limited by what you want to achieve, 
it's just mm. stuck in my mind forever and it's just so true like if you you have this end goal and that's what you want to achieve you just have very limited options how to get there and you just have to do it right and in trading it's 100 routine 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 process mm. consistency all the time <laughs> you're an early starter moritz and that, that helps doesn't it <laughs> yeah moritz now converted me to to waking up early it does help to get in a few quiet hours of work before everybody yeah. else wakes up so yeah. that definitely does help yeah the market has its own cycles anyway so you know, we know when the the hot times are when it's set market like london opens and then new york opens and so on. then in the evening it's not not so busy so it has right. its own little cycles yeah. yeah i like the when i and i'm moving back to asia I, i like the asian um sessions actually because you wake up in the morning and the whole world is still asleep so it gives you oh, like this right. psychological yeah. advantage that you can you can take a few hours to get ready before uh, europe and london opens and then you have a lot of time until uh, new york opens so that's i really like that as well historically my performance in asia is better whenever i'm in asia i have yeah. better trading performance than when i'm in europe <laughs> Yeah. What, do you, what do you think that is? Because I think it's mostly because I have the whole morning to like, I go to the gym, I unwind, mm -hmm. I do my emails, I have a great lunch. I'm just super relaxed. And then 2 or 3 p.m. I go to my charts. It's like I'm 100 complete Zen mode. And mm -hmm. you just make a much fewer mistakes. And um, when I'm in Europe, I get up and I do my workout and then I go to the charts and it's straight away you have to be there 100 right and i'm just not that big of a morning person at least my brain is not and mm. uh, <laughs> the whole day is still in front of me so that also makes me a bit of anxious as well and mm. uh, it's just easier to make mistakes i think yeah 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 <laughs> i think working on one, one's own psychology is very important it is probably one, one of the biggest self-development programs in the world isn't it? learning to be an effective trader because you have to You know, there are technical matters, there are psychological matters, which you have to get together to be effective. Yeah. And in the end, it's all you against you. There's a, yeah. Sure. It's a yeah, tough I mean, anyone can learn the craft. I mean, drawing trend lines and sure. support resistance levels is not black magic. Everyone no. can learn that, but not everyone can master themselves to really make money with it. Yeah. yeah. On a consistent basis. Yeah. yeah. That's mm. the that's the thing, which is the trick, obviously. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially in days uh, these days, in um, where the market is only going up, um, it's a uh, yeah. It will be interesting to see what happens afterwards, but that's a uh, we can we can wrap uh, we can see that uh, in a few weeks probably. I want to ask you because people love to read and our audience loves to read. What are maybe one, two, three books that you find that really stand out? Um, that has helped you over the years? Okay. Um, okay, from a technical point of view, um, I went to see Steve Nissan present in London and I followed all his candlestick stuff, which is very, very, very good. I think the initial documentation is very good. What's the so name? That's been really helpful. From a psychology point of view, um, books like Market Wizards, it's great to hear everyone's experience and it's a real, you know, the real life experience about the practicalities of exiting trades and uh, that's really good. I'm listening to uh, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. Now, I listen on uh, audiobooks on Audible uh, at the moment, and that's, that's been really, really good. There's just so much, so much wisdom in that <laughs> and told in a very um, self-effacing sort of manner. Um, <laughs> I've, I've followed you know, 
technical documentation, things like Bollinger Bands, Elliott Waves, and so on. But it's the ones which where real traders talk and um, they talk about their real life experiences as opposed to the analytical theory that um, they're most effective, I think. Right. Have you read the, then um, the, the book from Marty Schwartz? Seems like it's right down your alley. Um, Pitbull Champion Trader? No, I've been looking for that actually, but it seems to, seems to be out of print. It's not available as an audio book and it seems oh. to be out of print. Yeah, There's probably um, a bootleg copy of it sitting around on the internet somewhere. Right. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. if you like the market wizards and the uh, stock operator, this is a, it's my absolute favorite trading book. It's, mm. it's about the life of, um, and the routines and approach from Marty Schwartz and who was in the, who was also in the market wizards. It's a, it's a great, it's a great book. Yeah. I'll, I'll look out for that. What was the, the name of the first book? I didn't, I didn't fully get it. I will put it in the show notes. Um, something with Steve Nielsen. Nissen, who's the candlestick guy. Nissen. N-I-S-O-N. I always He's various books nice. on, on candlesticks, uh, very well documented, to explain all the different candlestick patterns and the like. Okay. So that's very, very useful. Apparently that's a, sort of just a basic primer. Candlesticks popular in the West, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of it. I will check it out. Before that, he's, we were only he's, he's, the, he's the candlestick guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. I will check it out. And I will put uh, everything in the show notes for everybody who is watching or listening. Okay. Um, thank you, Paul. I think this is a good place to wrap this up. We have 45 minutes in. So thank you again so much for your time. This has been uh, something that I've been looking forward to. And uh, yeah, thank you again for making your time. And maybe we can, we can do a round two um, in a few months. Yeah, and sounds good. Thank you. And yeah, everybody else who has been uh, watching, listening, make sure to leave a comment. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know um, what you find especially interesting so that we can do more of that. And until then, thank you for watching and see you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye.